Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The book of Isaiah. Amen. Tis the season. Tis the season. Advent, as uh, much of the religious world calls it, Advent. Uh, the arrival of some notable person or event or thing. You can even refer to the first coming of Christ or even the second coming of Christ. And so uh, we say Advent is around this time of year because we approach the, uh, the celebration of the first coming of Christ. But I guess that we constantly live in the Advent uh, because we're always awaiting the second coming of Christ. Amen. Constantly. And so I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter number 9. Amen. Going to read a few uh, verses of Scripture, the first seven verses of this today. And uh, you're going to have to depend on your Bibles this morning. We don't have anybody to run uh, media this morning during preaching. So uh, if, if you got a phone and can hit buttons, you know, Isaiah 9, 7, you know, whatever, you, you, can, you can work with me here, amen, today. And so that goes as well for our online listening audience that will not be on your screen this morning. And so grab yourself a good old-fashioned Bible if you got one. It can be leather. It can be fake leather. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Amen. And be cardboard. Uh, and, and let's see what the Spirit of the Lord would say. Amen. Today, Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 1, starting. The Bible says, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them have the light shine. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy and harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise. And garments rode in blood. But... This shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. For a little while this morning from verse number 2, how those walked in darkness saw light, those under the shadow of death, the light has shined. I want to minister today this, the light shined. The light shined. I was thinking I was going to sleep last night. It seemed, I don't know, maybe it's a thing that has to do with getting odor. But I remember whenever I was a younger man, and maybe it's just perception. Man, it seems like I could just come up with these titles that would just be, oh, man, that's pretty cool. You'll remember that. Now I'm just like 
the light has the light shined, you know, uh, type stuff. So maybe I'm just aged and I don't know uh, if he was going looking through a newspaper, looking for an article to read. Probably the light shined would not be the one that you would read because it's just not catching your attention. I don't know. I grew out of it, I guess. I don't know. But the light shined this morning. Nonetheless, amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. God, for your many blessings, I thank you, Lord Jesus. God, for your healing power, your saving power that is still, God, evident and real today. I pray, God, anoint us, Lord, in this sanctuary. Anoint us, Lord God, in our time together, Lord Jesus, with your word. God, speak to us today. God, we need to hear what the word is saying, Lord. God, Job said, Lord, it was, it was more needful and it was more important than the necessary bread that he took, Lord, on a day-by-day means. I pray, Oh God, help us, Lord, in this service today. We'll not fail to thank you and praise you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Around this time of year, of course, there is much talk about the North Pole, primarily because our holiday traditions pinpoint the North Pole, that location, as home to the holly jolly, one that's in a red suit. But the North Pole is experiencing what science calls right now the polar night. For approximately six months out of the year, the sun will never rise at the North Pole. Or at least it will never appear above the horizon. The days as a result of this can be difficult to number, difficult to keep track of. And so they count the days according to 24-hour spans of darkness. There are some towns up close to the North Pole, like in uh, the country of Sweden, that experience 28 24-hour periods of darkness. The northernmost town in the world, which is an interesting name in reality, Longyearbyen uh, is its name, in Salvbard Islands, they experience four months without seeing the sun. Two of those months are spent in pitched black darkness 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is their long polar night. Around the North Pole and lands that are up in that area, they say whenever people expect the day is about to dawn, particularly after long polar nights, that I've read that some messengers go to the highest point to watch And when they see the first streak of daylight appearing, they will put on the brightest apparel that they have and own in their closet, and they will embrace each other. Some of them will cry, and they'll holler out, Behold the sun. And the cry goes out through all the land, Behold the sun. I can understand, perhaps as some of you do today, living right here within the states, how one may long for light after having lived many days without light. Sometimes even there, due to the weather that's taking place in the northern region of our world, they don't even see the stars or any glimmer of the moon because of just weather and things that are taking place. And I know that someone that would be longing for that after many days of darkness, how we would feel. Because around here, we're just looking forward to spring coming, you know. We just barely got our feet wet in the months of winter and December we're ready for spring to come and if nothing more just give us December the 21st just give us that winter solstice that every day thereafter we're gaining just a few minutes of daylight back just little by little but the light never appears so bright 
nor does it bring so much joy until you've been living or lingering in darkness. Darkness goes beyond total blackness. We understand that darkness is the absence of light. And when without light, Job said this, we grope in the dark. In other words, we fumble and we stumble around in the dark whenever we are absent any light. There is a sense of uncertainty that darkness brings, a sense of utter confusion that accompanies it. Job said, we cannot order our speech due to the darkness. Darkness is a metaphor for prison. It is a metaphor in scripture for bondage. Prisoners sit, the Bible says, in darkness within the prison prison house and perhaps more intimidating than the dark days and the wintry seasons of our world are the troublesome times even often of our lives darkness is a metaphor for difficult times in life the preacher Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes he told us he said remember the days of darkness for they shall be many. Oh, I appreciate the encouragement, Solomon. Amen. The days of darkness are going to be many upon my life. And so darkness broods in and out of our lives, Sister Adams, oft times. And that's due to unfortunate circumstances that we're up against. It's part many times of our daily grind in a fallen world darkness anguish anguish is our familiar friend we hate to admit it but it comes to us in the likeness of disappointment comes to in the likeness of 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 unemployment of bouts of sickness amen anguish despair darkness we we tally if you will sometimes on like you see sometimes in little cartoons and such on the prison walls of our life just marking the hours marking the days 24 hour periods if you will of darkness things not going my way things not aligning right not things not going the way that I would like them to go we we are just living during our long polar night and if given the opportunity we could tell you we could recount everything that made our night so long everything that made our day so obscure we we could tell the stories of our woes we could tell the stories of our agonies we have hints of daylight sometimes but it seems like even some of those who live in north we never see the sun totally crest the horizon there's just shadows and little glimmers here and there that maybe day is taking place, but we've not seen the sun with our own eyes. It's, it's a familiar darkness of life, or at least sometimes a darkness even of our own making. It is just one eternal night. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter number 9, it speaks in verse 1 of the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. Amen. They're mentioned here in our text. These districts and these land allotments created the borderland along the pagan nations on the northern part of Israel. The people in these particular places and tribes did commerce with the Phoenicians and some uh, who were some of the most corrupt pagan people of that known time. They intermingled with them, partly because whenever the, all the conquests were made in the book of Joshua, of them taking the land of Israel, it were in some of these northern places that they did not drive out the inhabitants during that time. And so there's an intermingling of the Jew with the Gentile, of those that were uh, sacred to God and those that had ignored God. The 
these two tribes placement being so far to the north situated them then far from the holy city of Jerusalem. Therefore, the influence of that holy city didn't have much bearing upon them, not much bearing upon the residents that lived there. They boarded the pagans and they were at the same time distant from the holy city of Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter number 8, the prophet describes a people, these people, that are influenced by the surrounding nations. He, he describes a people that insensibly made a confederacy, a, a, a compact, if you will, with heathen people instead of God being their sanctuary. You can read chapter number eight that he had become their stumbling stone. And yet in this relationship, in this cooperative relationship of those of Zebulun and Naphtali, amen, did this relationship with pagan people People, it caused them to stumble. The Bible says to fall, to be broken, to have a snare set for their feet for them to be taken. This resulted according to Isaiah 8 that these people would reject God and reject God's rule which was just more evidence that the people that they were associating with had no light in them. They, the Bible says they were even pressed and sometimes tempted and persuaded to resort to familiar spirits. This is in Isaiah 8 and even to mediums and the Bible says that at times these people would cast their eyes up to the heavens and look up to the heavens and they would curse their king and their God and then from switching to the heavens with cursing they would look to the earth and this is what the Bible says in the last verse of Isaiah 8 and they shall look unto the earth they just look to the heavens they just curse their king their God now they cast their eyes to the earth and behold Behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Amen. That is not too far-fetched today, those tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, because I believe in our world today, we can identify with these people. We can identify with these tribes because largely we live our lives bordering, amen, along a people as well that have no regard for God, have no regard for his commandments, no regard for his ways. We find ourselves oftentimes living in this real world right now today. We find ourselves often being affected by the world or maybe even sometimes infected by the world instead of impacting them and influencing them. We too have sought answers, amen, in other places besides God. I, I don't think any of us would sit here this morning and say, well, I, I've, I've, never, I've never sought out a familiar spirit or I've never went anywhere for the place or, or the work of a sorcerer, yet some of the things we confide in are no less spiritually driven than those type of places. Someone say amen. Oftentimes we even look with contempt amen unto the heavens but then we look unto the earth for the answer and what do we find there's just darkness there's dimness of anguish and there is trouble we stumble around we live oft times in the dark we stumble around we flounder as prisoners in a world that is riddled with gloom and despair uncertainty is certain in this world amen the only sense mostly we have around here is an 
nonsense. Amen. We expect more from the earth many times than what it is able to give us because we understand from the very beginning that this earth originated in darkness. It was from the very start that it was without form and void and darkness covered the face of it. It was associated with the disorder and it remained unchanged even in the beginning until God said, let there be light. And so just when we think darkness is the lot of these two northern tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali that we read in, in Isaiah 8 and 9, when we believe that their feet are so set on a path toward an unalterable direction, Isaiah raises his voice in verse 1 of chapter 9. After they look toward the earth and they sing trouble and dimness of anguish and they sing darkness and we're driven to darkness, Isaiah lifts his voice and says, never the less, meaning in spite of what has been said, in spite of what has proceeded, in spite of the anguish, in spite of the darkness, in spite of people that's looked to the heavens and cursed their king and their God, in spite of all of that, the dimness shall not be such as was. In other words, it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be gloom. It's not always going to be despair. It's not always is going to be heartache. It's not always going to be temptation and compromise. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was. Someone say amen. Had it been dark, you better believe it had been dark. It had been dark during the days of vexation, the Bible says. It had been dark for them during moments of light affliction, and it had been dark for them during moments of grievous affliction. Isaiah, in saying what he's saying, is not ignoring the fact that there had been some gross darkness. He's not overlooking the fact that there was trouble. He's not overlooking the fact that there was anguish. He lists them. He enumerates them. He identifies them. He acknowledges them and how they came about. But what Isaiah is doing in his day is arising as a prophet in his hour and saying, although this has happened, I'm going to speak something else in the future that's going to take place, but I'm going to talk about it as though it's already done. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them have the light shine. Someone say glory. glory. Amen. They looked unto the earth. Trouble, darkness, anguish, more darkness. But Isaiah says, nevertheless, it shall not be as it's been. All the times and as the times prior to the nevertheless of verse number one. As those times in chapter eight got incrementally worse before the nevertheless. The times after the nevertheless progressively got better because of the light. The Bible, you read it. We read it in your hearing this morning. Amen. The things that begin to spin. The things that begin to, if you will, the domino effect that begins to happen because of the nevertheless and because of the light. He says, amen, that the nation 
will multiply and they will be joyful and rejoice like whenever it is harvest time or like when men come and they take spoils. The yoke that is upon their shoulders will be broken. The rod that the taskmaster has laid to them will be destroyed. The oppressor, amen, will be taken out of the way. All the confused noise of battle and the clanking together of armor and the blood-stained garments from every battle that has been, amen, battled. All of that will be consumed in the fire. Why, Isaiah? Because of the light. Why, Isaiah? Because for unto us a child is born. Everything that you read that progressively gets better on the opposite side of the nevertheless is because of a child being born. The light coming is due to the child. The nations multiplying, the joy dispersing is because of the child. Yokes breaking, battle fatigues being diminished, peace coming. It's all because a child is born. Someone say amen. I feel the hallelujah a little bit here today. Jesus in the scripture of Malachi is called the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Great light. Did not we hear in the story of Matthew and the gospels of Luke that the magi, the wise men that came, asked this question, where is he born? king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east Herod even inquired at what time the star that light what time did that light appear the magi saying we've seen his light in these because they associated amen the child with the light and the light with the child listen call it sun call it star it doesn't matter to me the earth's sun is a star if you don't remember that the earth's sun is a star that gaseous thing out there that's producing light so the earth's sun is a star so I don't care if you call it a sun I don't care if you call it a star the fact of the matter is this it was light for the darkness and the bible says the wise men rejoiced with exceeding great joy when they saw that star when they saw that Someone say amen. That light, Jesus, in the pages of the gospel, the Bible records it like this as John records it. He said the life of Jesus Christ was the light of men. The life of Jesus Christ was the light, the true light of men. The psalmist David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear and of whom shall I be afraid? Did not Jesus, by his own omission, tell his disciples, Behold, I am the light of the world. Woo! Paul to the Corinthians. He said, We're living in the day that there is a spirit of the enemy that would want to blind the eyes of them that would hear the gospel and keep them from seeing this glorious light. He said in chapter 4 and verse 6 of 2 Corinthians, he said, for God who commanded the light to shine out 
of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face. Woo! in the face of Jesus Christ, even as a babe, amen, to adolescence, to adulthood, when the babe was born, the light was shining. When the babe was born, amen, darkness gave way, amen, to the light. Someone say amen. But see here, we gotta dig in just a little deeper here. Because when we read what Isaiah is recording, those two tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, when we read of them, Zebulun and Naphtali, the land masses that they had in northern region, northern region of Israel, and where they abode, made up what we know to be as the upper, and sometimes they're called this, the upper and lower regions of Galilee. Naphtali was the upper, Zebulun was the lower regions of Galilee. Isaiah said that there was a time that they were grievously vexed in Galilee of the nations or Galilee, if you will, of the Gentiles. Verse number one of our reading today. There was a time they were grievously vexed in Galilee of the nations or Galilee of the Gentiles. That is because, and just walk with here just a little bit, that is because this area of Galilee, amen, where Zebulun and Naphtali are, the upper and the lower regions of Galilee, were first taken or first apprehended by Assyrian control. When the Assyrians came in the Old Testament and overtook Israel, amen, and would take them into Assyrian bondage, a lot of times we concentrate upon uh, the, the captivity of Babylon, and that does happen. But there was also the Assyrian captivity that came upon that northern portion of Israel. It was those two tribes, those two regions that were first taken and apprehended by the Assyrian control under their king, Tiglath-Pileser. Allow me to read a scripture here. 2 Kings 15 and verse 29. It says, in the days of Pekah, king of Israel came, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and took Jon and Abelbeth Macha and Janoah and Kadesh and Hazor and Gilead and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and carried them captive to Assyria. Whenever this happened, these regions being some of the very first regions that were taken by the Assyrians in their control, the Assyrians then pulled the people out of the land and they replaced them with Assyrian people. They replaced them with non-Jewish people. And throughout time then, as a result of that, these two northern regions would become a melting pot of Jews and Gentiles. There would be intermarriage between them. There would be Samaritans that would be raised up then out of this. It was a land mass in northern Israel in many terms that were driven into darkness so to speak that were driven into some poor bad places compromises amen with their God because there's a mixing and the muddling of the people but someone say but but a great light will and shall come in the book of Matthew the gospel chapter number four 
uh, read a few verses. This is on the very hinge. Jesus has been just tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He's had, son of man, will you make these stones bread? He's had, will you go to the pinnacle of the temple and cast yourself down? Well, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all, all of the world. Satan has went through this course of temptation and, and, and Jesus leaves that in the power of the spirit. And this is what the Bible says then in verse number 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John, amen, John the Baptist was cast into prison, he departed into, look where, Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, amen, which was also in Galilee, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim, which is the same Zebulun and Naphtali of the Old Testament, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death light is sprung up and from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What are you saying this morning brother McGee? I'm saying it was dark, it was doom, it was just totally just oblivion. Amen for years of time as a nation and northern Israel but please understand today the prophecy of Isaiah came to pass in the life of Jesus Christ. When you read the Gospels, do you know where Jesus does most of his preaching and most of his ministry and most of his miracles? They take place right in Galilee. It was the very place that trouble had been, darkness had been, anguish had been in Isaiah's day, but now the light had come. And there's ministry taking place in Galilee. One theologian by the name of Frederick Brunner said this, that Galilee was the most pagan of all Jewish provinces. And yet, it was the scene of some of the most memorable events of Jewish history. How can you go from darkness and grossness, amen, and inadequacy, and have some of the greatest things that was ever happened to a Jewish nation happen there? I'll tell you how. The light came for unto us a child was for unto us a child was born oh someone say amen I got to preach it on my housetop this morning because I'm telling the world and I'm telling society it matters not what's been your label up to this point it matters not the gross darkness you've groped in up to this point I'm here to testify the light has come the child's been born and God desires to still do his ministry his way and his wonder where darkness used to be Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was Jesus that was taken over to the city of Nazareth and spent like the first 30 years of his life. Nazareth was in Galilee. And Galilee is where Jesus, that's where he called his disciples. How many times you see in scripture, are you all not Galileans? He called them, Woo! from the place that had been driven to at one time. 
in darkness. He called them from a place, Sister Shue, that one time had been known as trouble. He says, I'm plucking my disciples. How can you do that, Lord? Because the light has come. They were Galileans. The first miracle, amen, of turning water to wine. Where did it happen? In Cana. Don't leave it right there. In Cana of in Cana of Galilee as a matter of fact about 25 of the 33 miracles that Jesus did guess where they took place all of them those 25 took place in Galilee the grand sermon on the mount happened at Galilee the transfiguring of the Lord where his vesture changed and was bright so much so the disciples could not look upon him that happened at Galilee He taught, he taught in their synagogues, he healed their sick, and he made whole their disease at Galilee. And whenever Jesus wasn't referenced as Jesus of Nazareth, guess what they called him? Jesus of Galilee. That brings a little bit more credence to the question that one asked when they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because more than just the identity of the city was the identity of the region, Galilee. We know they're troublesome. We know there's anguish. We know there's despair. Can anything good come? Oh yes. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as it was. Amen. For a light has come and a child has been born. The light shined there. The people even question, shall Christ come out of Galilee others even said that no prophet came up out of Galilee well I hate to ruin amen what you believe but it can happen it did happen and it is happening the light has come Kill and delete two people. Scholars said the height of the glorification would correspond to the depth of the disgrace. The height of the glorification would correspond to the depth of the disgrace. Because this area called Galilee, this, this Zebulun and this Naphtali tribes and land allotment areas. Though they be the first that was subjugated to Assyrian control. It was still then the focus of Christ's ministry. And we sit back. And others might twiddle their thumbs and scratch their heads. Why? Why didn't he concentrate? Upon a good, sacred, holy spot in Israel. Why didn't he make most of his ministry happen around Jerusalem? The holy city. Why didn't he make some of his ministry happen more so? Maybe among Judah and Benjamin tribe allotments and areas. Why in the world would he choose to gravitate towards a place that was demarked by anguish and darkness? My only response to you is this. Because those, again, they were the first taken. Because those longest in darkness have the greatest need for the first light. Well, you mean that when deliverance came, those that had been affected the longest by the foreign powers, 
and the longest by the trouble and the longest by the darkness, they would be sought out and ministry would be taken there. What are you talking about? Because Jesus even told scribes and Pharisees of his day, he said, listen here, they that be whole need not a physician, but they but they that are sick. Jesus, why are you showing them up along the streets and around the Sea of Galilee? Why are you walking among the people? I'll tell you why. Because there is some dark, sick people there that need some shedding forth of the light. There's some people there, amen, that are in hopelessness that need a glimmer of hope. Can I say it this morning? Darkness needs the light. And I would say then today, for that reason, we are primed in our world today for illumination nation because darkness needs light and if it shined the first time he came I guarantee you it's going to shine the second time he comes and I'm just urging someone on this Sunday morning if you'll just climb to the highest peak that you can and wait for the first streak of light again and somebody cry out behold the sun or behold the star or behold the light because he's here someone say amen it shined in Bethlehem's manger. It shined all around the Sea of Galilee. But I'm urging as a church today that we put on our linen garments, amen, that are clean and white without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Put on your best apparel, if you will, and comfort one another for our polar night is about over. No more counting the 24-hour periods and spans of darkness here on the earth. No longer looking to the earth amen for the answer for comfort for a pat of assurance no 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 because the child born and the son given is returning as the king reigning hallelujah and his light his illumination has not changed if he brought that generation from light to darkness he can help bring light to our generation of darkness the light shines child was born his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government there shall be no end the light has shined stand with me this morning the light has shined the next one Jesus is ascending into the heavens. He takes a group of disciples to the mount called all of it. He's going to depart from there. He's been with them for 40 days, shooting himself alive after his passion, declaring to them and proving to them that I am indeed he that went to the ground. I'm standing here before you today. Touch me, feel me, handle me. See that I am he. He's done this for 40 days by many infallible proofs. He is doing this. And he stands on that mount called all of it all of it and he begins to ascend in the heavens and there's some angels that come alongside the disciples that are standing there and they say these words oh man what I relish so deeply this morning with based upon Isaiah and what I have just told you today they say ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven the same Jesus someone say the same the same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven so shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The light came and the light will come again. 
and he'll dispel all darkness insomuch that Revelation 22 and 5 tells us and there shall be no night there where where he plans on taking us there shall be no night there and there shall be no need of a candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever what's going to happen he says, I'll be the light of that city. Whew. I was the light of Bethlehem's manger. I was the light of the darkened, anguish-stricken, amen, Galilee. I'll be the light of the new heaven and the new earth. The light has come. The child is born. And there can be a nevertheless. Huh. There can be a nevertheless situated just so appropriately in your life. That says, Jen Adams was thus and so and this and that. But the word of prophecy says, nevertheless, it shall not be as though it was. That Sheila McGee was thus and so and so and so forth. This was life. Nevertheless, it shall not be as though it was. Why? Because the light has shined. The, chi the child has been born. We can just bow our heads all across here today. I mm, thank you, Jesus. Those that are in the listening audience online can just bow their heads in their homes today. There may be somebody under the sound of my voice this morning that are dealing with the labels and dealing with the identity and characterization of life of anguish and trouble and doom and despair. Some may have even assumed the row of, of, of shaking the fist toward their God and their king and have looked to the earth for comfort, have looked to the earth for answers, but it just spells trouble. It spells hopelessness. God wants to interject a nevertheless in your life. He wants your, your, your future to be better than your past. He, he wants to shine the light in the middle of your turmoil. He wants to shine the light in the middle of your lone darkness. And he wants to introduce a child unto you. He wants to introduce, if you will, his power, his spirit. Amen. Through the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. That light, that is the light of the world. That light, which is also our salvation and can save us from our present standing it does not have to be as it was it can be different the light has come the child is born I'm telling you today notice what Jesus began to speak in Galilee amen it wasn't just miracles signs and wonders but that's where his ministry began and that's where he began preaching the message of repentance I'm here to tell you he's still showing up in Galilee's he's still showing up in tribes amen of Zebulun and Naphtali he's still showing up in lives like that and he's still ministering the message of repentance amen for change for alteration for change of mind he's trying to interject a nevertheless a nevertheless into your life circumstance a nevertheless into your life's amen situations oh we come together at this time of year and we're going to see nativities and we're going to look at shows and we're going to be involved with things that's going to talk about all of the scriptures of Advent and all the scriptures about that holy night but we need to understand not only did it change time and change the dynamic of the world it changed our dynamics as individuals as well it gave hope where there was none it brought salvation where there was only prison imprisonment and bondage the light shined and a child was given and he's wonderful he's mighty God 
He's everlasting father. And we don't see an end to this thing. He'll multiply. He'll give joy. He will bring, if you will, contentment. He will cause there to be war no more, so to speak. And all of our armaments will be laid down. Hallelujah. The light has shined. I love you. Can we lift our voices right now in this place and begin to talk to our great God? Can we be thankful to that babe that was born in Bethlehem's manger? That star that light that testified and that's associated with that child that son of righteousness amen that meandered through the muck and the mire of humanity the light is shining today the light is shining today the child is relevant still today he's coming back as the king that reigns he's coming back as the king that reigns there'll be no night no need of candle he shall be the light Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for dispensing ministry here. Thank you, God, for healing. Thank you, God, for saving. Thank you, Lord, for working your miracle power right here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And therefore you commission us to be lights of this world and so let it shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify who you, our Father which is in heaven. Help us, God, I pray, Lord, to be transmitters, sharers, God, repeaters of that same light, God, that Bethlehem, God, was exposed to, Lord, in our day and our time. And we'll fail not to thank you. We'll fail not to appreciate you. In the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Amen. The light shined. The light shined. The light shined. If you can be here tonight, the doors are open. Amen. For us to come together and pray before church and have service one more time. Hallelujah. Here this evening. Hallelujah. God bless you here this afternoon. Amen. I pray you have a great afternoon that God keeps you well. Amen. Safe and protected. God bless you today. Go in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.